SE Land, this is Twig, Twig's SE Reflections, episode number 27. Oh, this is going to be a relief for me because I've been holding a question that I got from Lucy back in January. She wrote about enjoying the podcast episode that I'd done on remembering to move between our sessions, during our client breaks, making sure that we take on some of some activity so we're not just kind of chair bound and worse yet mirroring our clients bound where we might be spending a lot of time holding the postures and tone and feeling states or something similar to our clients and that that could that could be draining that could be draining it could be harmful it could be an occupational hazard i think it is so uh, i was saying let's remember to move and Lucy did a really, she did a really nice take on that and said, you know, and what are we to do? You know, what are some thoughts? What are some of my thoughts on what to do about that? When it's actually during the session, we find ourselves over connecting with our client, you know, um, merging is one word that is sometimes used for that, um, getting triggered, taking it on, you know, when we are, whew, hot and bothered inside the session, or we find ourselves entrained and we are kind of falling into a similar feeling state, emotional state, um, kind of nervous system state as our client. Now, a lot of us will know, have experienced that pretty easily whenever you're working with freeze, particularly with anesthesia. This is a, a well-appreciated thing in body work traditions and somatic experience and such that when you are helping a person access or when you are in contact with a person's kind of like their sensory motor processing instructions are moving out of that trauma capsule, as Bob Scare might have called it, might call it in, in the trauma spectrum, where the associations and the pieces and elements of an experience are being expressed. And oh, guess what? When a person is expressing and experiencing those kind of things that are associated to freeze, anesthesia, immobility, deep dorsal shutdown kind of states, the room feels foggy. Other people are affected by it. You're affected by it as a clinician, as a practitioner. As you're in the room with somebody who's feeling that, you can kind of get caught in their trance as well. Well, here we've got a broad thing, because on one hand, this is a reality. As members of a social species, as humans, we're impacted by the feeling states of other people. We're also, in our own ways, we've got our own things to iron out. You know, we, we've got our own wrinkles. That was something Raja said. He said, some people are trying to just, you know, get some symptom relief and get on with their life. And then other people are trying to, like, iron out all of the last wrinkles in their soul. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's just entirely right. Like soul, their nervous system. I don't know. Maybe I, I hope I have his words close. I hope so. I apologize if I don't. He, that, I really, that's pretty close. He said, 
iron out every last wrinkle in our, we'll say, nervous system here. That's it. Isn't that it? Some of us have more wrinkles than others, and we get triggered more, impacted more by the feeling states of others. And on some level, it is fundamental in being human to be impacted by others. So how to make sense of this when we're in session and we're trying to do our best work and we're trying to help people and we don't want to lose our way with the fact that we are feeling more like they are feeling and less like the guide who has the observing, aware understanding of what's happening in the session, what psychobiological tendencies are being expressed right here, what phases are expressing right here, what is likely to come next, what kind of support needs to come in right now so as to keep things moving forward, or as the practitioner, where do I need to back off here so that things can continue to move forward on its own at the right time we come in more? or we come out more, we give more, we do less. All of that requires our ability to pay attention and our ability not to be too close or too impacted by the feelings about that we might be having in association to what our clients are feeling. So this mirroring element where we mirror our clients' posture intelligently in order to try to help their mirror neurons and their own sense of oh, you know, my behavior here makes sense, that kind of thing, that gives us access to using our organism to inform the client and to get information for ourselves. And of course, it's part of being human, and we don't want it to mess us up. So Lucy asks, like, what do you do when it comes on, you know, stronger? Well, I can tell you that this is something that I've had to work on a lot. Ever since my first cranial sacral classes uh, 15 years ago, when I realized that I'm kind of sensitive, that the reason I live out on the end of the road and the reason that I kind of take so much space for myself and the reason that I um, could perceive with my hands in that quiet place was because that I, I, I was actually, I'm kind of a sensitive person and... It took a long time for me to see just how much that played out, but like I have, I have just a few easy stories to name. Uh, one time I went to meet a friend for dinner, and as, we, as I walked into the restaurant, I saw that she had a cold sore on her right upper lip, and we didn't kiss. We weren't, we weren't amorous. We were close. We were close, but we, we weren't anywhere like that, so... So we hugged and we sat and we had dinner and somehow the next morning I woke up with a fully developed cold sore on the left upper lip of my own face. The exact mirror of the upper lip of my friend where she had had this, you know, fully, fully exposing cold sore and, and it had, it had come on in you know, the, the night in between, I woke up with it early the next morning. That was one of the times that I realized that I, I have a lot of these wrinkles. My, my system is easy to, to get triggered and take on another's feelings or experiences. That has actually, in a way, forced me to get good at the differentiation that 
is helpful in these kind of situations where we over mirror or become too close to to our clients inside of ourselves so here's a little list it's incomplete but you know there are a lot of folks who talk about this in fact maybe i take a pause here and say that it was actually this january i got an email from diane poolheller who she sends out emails periodically and she had a video on i think keeping one seat in sessions like the exact same topic so you might you might check that out too here's a little list of mine one thing is to develop a good conning in practice like the the thing you do before your session that tells you that you're going into session and helps your own organism become organized around the fact that this is the thing you're doing that you are going in to do this this thing that you do as a practitioner that this time is separate from the rest of the time in life when you do ritual that's how you go into ritual you establish the the time the difference between the outside of ritual time and the ritual time right so you invoke a circle or you kind of say a prayer or you you name the space or you take silence or you do something in order to establish we are changing we are changing the dynamics of reality here and how we're paying attention to it and our session times i mean you, you think about however you want but i think of them as kind of sacred space as time when i am postponing other responsibilities and other feelings and other things that i have at play in my world and in my life in order to be responsible to the person who is invoking my services and and so this preparation for making it clear that that's what this is happening that's what is happening here i borrow the conning in phrase and i i get that from hugh milne actually who has that in um the heart of listening where he talks about how martial artists and and different um kind of ceremonial folks will will prepare by different movements and postures and intentions the clarification that this is the next action that they're going to do this thing that they've been trained to do whatever that might be turning on the lights pulling down the blinds maneuvering the pillows clarifying that i'm not doing this in a rush but i'm doing this with intention of performing this service it's a preparatory action but i think it makes a big difference in terms of my own ability to stay present and differentiated in my sessions if i take the time and the attention to do such a thing or not one of the things that has helped me is traveling to japan and they they've presented and shared a, f a couple of furushikis yeah it's like these um fabrics that have different designs on it that that in japan they use to cover things and so i like cover over my bags and i cover over my desk and i cover over things that are in my space before my clients come that in my office i might have open otherwise it's a way for me to say shh, narrowing in my attention so as to perform this service and then i kind of want to recognize part of this service is recognizing that i'm not to be sympathetic with my clients empathetic yeah but not sympathetic not dropping in and oh caring so much and feeling so much but 
to appreciate that my clients have legitimate, real, authentic concerns and that they really do feel the way that they feel and that I can appreciate the impact of that, both on the human side of things and on the side of how it's impacting and affecting them particularly. That differentiation, both between sympathy falling into the, the feeling state and the empathy respecting and having the appreciation that of what another feels, having that differentiation and the differentiation that, you know, there is my client and over here is me. That's uh, just a central piece on the th theoretical mental side of going into this. Well, in sessions, there is no question that, you know, clients trigger us like they, they bother us or they annoy us or we get agitated or we start to fall into their freeze or we get overconnected with their, you know, anger and we, we get angry ourselves. And centrally, the, the best way that I can think of, and just have to imagine that this is true, um, the best way I can think of to take a little distance from that is to look around to allow my eyes to move around inside of my sessions, not to be overly focused and overly locked on my clients. Now, if I started with a client where I was already overlooking and focused heavily on them, and then I had the thought, oh, I'm getting entrained in here, and I'm entranced, and I'm almost like kind of falling into their state, now I have to look around, I could see how that would be a little challenging to do because then I might feel that I'm about to break the pattern and the normalcy of what we have going, which is me staring at them and being so close. And that could be inhibitory and keep me in longer. That's actually one reason why I recommend starting with a certain kind of flexibility where your attention is free to go elsewhere than your clients. I'm not the only one who does that. And I think that that is a good way to make sure that you have some flexibility. Plus, it's probably the more appropriate signal to be giving most of the time anyway. But to be sure, looking around, looking around, looking around. Orientation. There is just nothing like the relief of orientation. Once you get the hang of letting it impact your organism to where you get a little relief on your system, and then you can come back to attend to things a little bit more directly. Of course, when a client is looking at you and you're kind of engaged, you can't you know, look around because you're getting annoyed by them or getting triggered by them. So I, I do things like squeeze my chair, um, you know, with, this is important to think about the nervous system as a differentiated system. As adults, we wanna help our nervous systems. Well, hopefully they are, but we're going to help them become ever more so differentiated so that as we get hot and bothered in the session, we give some amount, some allowance, some amount of allowance to some part of our body, some part of our organism to be allowed to be annoyed so that we're not simply pretending or suppressing the feeling of annoyance that we're talking with somebody, we're annoyed by what they're talking about. We're annoyed by how they're saying it. We're annoyed by the fact that, that we feel the injustice the same way they do. However it comes, where we get that trigger, where we are now 
on the verge of or likely to become impacted on our judgment of how to respond to our client. We're going to leak our annoyance toward them or we're going to cause them to enhance their agitation because now we are feeding back agitation unnecessarily or inappropriately because we haven't we haven't we've kind of like lost ourselves just a little bit before that happens or as that's starting to come up when i notice myself getting annoyed i try to do something to give some part some differentiated part of my nervous system my body the opportunity to enact some of that irritation to try to suppress those kind of things is is a sure way to let it grow and therefore have it impact the session more to where we'll either leak it or we will you know kind of um, push the session one way or another un unhelpfully it's not the you know it's probably not the right thing because it's being pushed by us rather than facilitated where the client needs to go of them so what will i do i will push my heels my legs against the floor which then tightens my legs and can then push my back my low back usually so as not to be too obvious against my chair giving a certain kind of pressure through my body that gives me the sense of getting to push back on something I'll do it at a very low level. I'll do it slowly. I'll do it in rounds. I won't do it continuously. I'll do it a few times. I'll let it rest. I'll just give my body a little bit of something to push against inside of this annoyance. And then I will start to let that go. I'll do the same thing with squeezing um, maybe the arm of my chair. Yeah, maybe squeezing just the the edge of the arm of my chair squeezing and then letting go or I'll squeeze if I have my legs crossed I'll squeeze my legs crossed together a little tighter and then letting go do that in a couple rounds and then the other one that I mentioned sometimes in in some of my workshops is I I squeeze my my toes inside of my shoe and then I let go and that one I say it's really important that if you try, if you do that one, you do the let go part. You don't like just squeeze your foot because you could easily get a cramp. And then it becomes really obvious that you're up to something. And that's one of the points here is that these are all things to be done differentiatedly behind the scenes where you're just giving some part of your body, some part of your nervous system, the opportunity to have that and then let it go so as not to try to suppress it and let it and then make it grow. I just kind of tried to do a little rhyme there. Well, that goes to this other point that part of this is learning how to ride some of it. That we are meant to be impacted by others. When we see other people cry, we should have the feeling about, you know, that there is some... <laughs> okay. We, we know that, right? You know that, I know that. We, we should be impacted by one another. And in fact, when our clients are crying, and it's one of the things for me, it's like when my clients are crying, like I will let my body, this is part of this kind of like we need to be able to ride some of it, I will let my body kind of have the, the smallest dose of the reaction that I can figure out how to give it so that I'm talking on something really heavy 
There's a lot of fear and sadness to it. I'm right in there with them. I feel the impact and the fear and the pain of that myself. I feel the tears of that myself. I feel the breathlessness of that myself. I will try to give myself the smallest dose of allowance of that feeling while continuing to try to do my job and stay as present as I can for the task at hand. So there is there's this kind of like riding some of the feeling state of this. This is really important for freeze and mobility. A person starts going to freeze and we start to feel the heaviness of that with them. We need to, and you try and fight that and it comes on stronger. So, but if you go with it, obviously you'll just reinforce the session and freeze more than it needs to go, right? You're, you don't need to, if it's, if it's making you want to go into freeze, what your client is feeling, if you start to feel much more of it, you're going to be passing it back to your client. I think I did that once. I mean, I think I've done that a number of times, but I think I did that once and ended up in this session where the two of us felt that we were in the drowniest, soupiest, thickest kind of freeze immobility state ever. And I, I was doing my very best to write it without adding to it, but I'm pretty sure I was writing it too much and it was feeding back because, wow, as dissociated as I've been, I, I, that was pretty, we were pretty far out there. And there's, the, the practitioner probably shouldn't be going that far out there. Yet, there is this kind of like, you need to be able to ride it a little bit and then be able to come out of it. And be able to ride it a little bit and then be able to come out of it. And how would you come out of it? Well, with freezing mobility, you probably have a little bit more room for looking around. You know, you don't have to engage quite so much, quite so quickly, quite so directly. And so, um, you know, orientation is probably most certainly the easier, easier one for that. So there, coming into it, coming out of it, suppose we find after sessions or during sessions repeatedly, this sense of, oh, I'm really getting triggered by that material, either regularly in sessions or afterwards. When we notice that, that's a really good suggestion, a really good time to say, oh, here's some of those things I need to iron out here. Here's some of those wrinkles I need to iron out. I'm getting hooked pretty easily here. And that's a good opportunity to get work, like to go and get our own sessions. In fact, it's not exactly like a great way to go about things, but it is at least one frame to take where you could say, our clients will often bring us things that we need to work on. And should we be invested in, in kind of in the process of doing this, we will see, we will perceive that, we will go get that work, we will be able to kind of stay more present for our clients as they're working on their stuff. And then, you know, just as the magic of it comes, other people will come and show us other triggers that we have. It's all so much fun. Now, since, you know, sometimes that means you get triggered and you are going to work and you don't get to go, quote, do the work yourself or you get to get over your own reactivity to this. Sometimes you just have to go to work. Tomorrow you have to be there in your office and you find yourself getting triggered to this. You find yourself merging too much with your clients. Acknowledging that is is an important step. It's an important thing to 
to kind of say, oh, this is something that happens and I need to be somewhat on guard for this. Sometimes it's appropriate to actually do the interpersonal naming. Sometimes it's appropriate like for you to actually talk with your client about it or to establish some kind of way for you to, you know, kind of um, directly take a little bit of space. Like I'm going to let, I'm going to let you feel that there. And then I'm just going to sit over here and I'm going to, I'm going to just hold my space here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at this moment reaching for explanations to say, it's a good thing to name for yourself that you get triggered that way. And to take kind of compensating steps, for example, by conning in before sessions. For example, by making sure that you do some breaks between sessions where you do other movements and other postures. Like during the session, actually doing something, actually squeezing the chair or rocking a little bit or letting yourself look around or not looking into your client quite so intently specifically because you realize oh if i fall into this association this feeling state with him or her all i'm going to do is make the session go you know cattywampus anyway so i should at least remove myself a little bit so as not to kind of lean on that that pedal too much all of that to say the most helpful thing that has ever come around for me in this is the question that, you know, a lot of the like kind of sensitive touch body work and, and in SE, you hear this as well, um, comments and questions around this. It, what, what do we say? We say, what's yours and what's mine? What's theirs and what's mine? What's, what's mine? What's theirs? There, it's a really interesting thing when you're in this kind of resonant field, as as some would call this, and you're you're feeling or you're you're getting impacted, and you have some sense that what you're feeling is being impacted by what the other person is feeling. Either it's being triggered up in you, or it's a reflection, in fact, of what the other person is feeling. That question, what's mine and what's theirs. It's not necessarily, at least in my experience, the question that then stops it from happening too much. And that's kind of what we're talking about here is when this is happening too much. Like sometimes this doesn't happen too much or sometimes you get to channel this and you get to use it to incredible effect, right? Where you're feeling the resonance and you can kind of get some kind of sense of what the other person is feeling. That is a great sensitivity. And in the sense of too much, what's mine? what's theirs? It's a kind of a repeated question. At least that's how it was taught to me and that's how I've used it to repeatedly ask that question as you go along so as to help you maintain some of that differentiation and also to try to help you not make decisions, make clinical decisions based on the impact of that without having had some kind of critical question. Is this mine? Is this theirs? Well, that has all been on my mind for quite some time. Thanks, Lucy, for bringing it up. I am sure that there are lots and lots of other great ideas out there about how to keep your seat, as Diane said it, or as I would say, how to keep the differentiation between yourself and your clients so that you can do your best work. I'm wishing you the best with that. 
I thank you very much for the question and your patience in me getting back to you. Take care, y'all. Episode 27 of Twig's SE Reflections, podcast series for SE practitioners and students out there in the world. Hey, you know, Lucy offered up another question when she wrote me in. She said, I sure do like your podcast, and I, I also wish they were more conversational. And I, I wrote back, I said, me too. Me too, I wish they were more conversational too. And I'm just taking on one challenge at a time here, you know? So for now, I'm working on consistency. And once I get that really coherent, I'm going to try something else. Get up, get up. Everything at its own pace. Get up, get up. Thanks for writing in. Get up.